This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. This is Tanya for Feel Better. Last show, my pen pal Stacy from the US tuned in and we discussed the challenges to combine a job, personal development and children as a parent, as a woman. As for all dads and other caretakers out there, I don't want you to feel excluded of the conversation. However, when we talk about challenges as a parent to find a work-life balance and how inadequate we feel at times, it turns out that it's still mostly women who take the biggest part of these responsibilities. But what now if laws that are in place are outdated and don't meet our needs, and they are also partly responsible for making us feel inadequate and as a total failure sometimes at work or as a parent? Research shows that in most countries, women still take the biggest chunk of the household responsibilities. I just mentioned that before. Dads and other carers are still a minority. Scandinavian countries, in case you didn't know, are always scoring extremely high in terms of gender equality. However, an article I found in The Guardian, Sweden's parental leave may be generous, but it's tying women to the home. It's from the 10th of July 2019, says that dads take the required part of parental leave, but that couple dynamics and corporate expectations still make it, you know, a woman's job and a woman's thing, and they take most of the parental leave. How is it in New Zealand? I have invited Professor Dr. Anik Maslow of the University of Canterbury. Your research interests are focused on the European Union and comparative law, but mostly you're passionate about gender equality. Equal retreatment, the work-life balance, pregnancy and maternity rights, especially in the context of employment law and social policies. Welcome, Anik. Thank you. <laughs> so the topic is very complex. And um, I was thinking that maybe we could highlight some of the challenges through the lives of a fictive couple I'm just making up, let's say Sarah and David. So let's imagine first they have both their university degrees, their graduates and at entry level. How will their respective salary look like? Is there already at that point a, a difference, maybe a pay gap between men and women or not yet? Or do you think already this inequality kicks in from the early start as soon as you enter the, the, the professional life? So first, it starts even before that. It starts um, in okay. the way we raise our children and the way our children are being um, um, sent into doing particular work. So, um, you know, um, like like Simone de Beauvoir says, we're not we're not women. We become women. Mm -hmm. So the way you deal with your daughters and your and your boy will have an impact on the way they look at the work. So, for example, women do better care because they've been trained in doing better care work. So um, mm -hmm. it's it's just this training that we have. But also in terms of education, women are more likely to be sand or to be um, to be to be um, looking at doing um, research or work, not research. Uh, Studies in the area of in area that are linked to care or that are linked to um, you know like more caring research, whereas um, boys are more likely to be sent to the STEM, the, the science and, and mathematics, etc. So to mm -hmm. start with, there is already like a little bit of mm -hmm. a difference in uh, the studies that um, that the, the the kind of career path that they might end up, but. 
in addition, when at same diplomas or equivalent diplomas, um, there is in quite often a, a gender pay gap that happens. So mm -hmm. at recruitment level, there is a, gen a gender pay gap that happens. And that happens in relation to um, gender bias. So, mm -hmm. you know, this idea that um, maybe um, we're recruiting this woman, but in the future, there is already this idea that in the future she will have children and therefore um, we don't want to pay her as much. But there is also the um, reverse bias that, you know, if we're recruiting a man, we're thinking that if there, there is a family in the making, you know, later mm -hmm. on, that the man won't take those responsibilities. So there is a gender bias as to what kind of uh, what kind of expectation there will be in um, in the, you know, in the family life. Um, but in terms of gender pay gap, the, the profession where there is the least transparency in terms of um, salary scale, um, the more likely you have to have a gender pay gap to start with. Mm -hmm. So in, um, for example, in, in, in the legal profession, in accounting profession, um, there is not a lot of transparency. And mm -hmm. so at at uh, equivalent diplomas and even sometimes quite often if in fact at um, a higher uh, sort of like skills and diplomas women end up being paid less than men in those professions uh, so mm -hmm. I don't know the in, in your example their marketing I don't really know the the, the the data for marketing, but for definitely the legal mm -hmm. profession and the accounting profession, this is the case. There's already a difference. What I find interesting is that you were mentioning that uh, the way we educate and raise our boys and girls, the fact as well that you say that it seems to be a thing that women or girls seem to be going or are more led into the scaring jobs. I'm also thinking just when we look historically, the first sectors where women were allowed to start work were education, teachers and nursing, but not even at the level I would say of being a doctor, but just being nurses. That's thinking of historically as well. But again, it's not a job at, I would say, a high level of responsibility, but also having thinking of now care in terms of nursing. A nurse is paid less than, for example, a doctor who very often was male. And it's probably, I don't know, you know, in the medical sector, if it's more equal, men, women, but it used to be, I would say, a couple of decades ago, still more men in doctor's position and women in nursing positions. Yeah, so what, what we see is a we see a stratification. So, for example, in the legal profession, mm -hmm. in the medical profession, you have probably an equivalent, possibly, uh, in fact, more women than men. No, okay. but uh, what you see is that you have a, a segregation from you know a, a vertical segregation. So the the most senior jobs will be held by mm -hmm. men. So in the legal profession, the partners will be a majority of men, whereas um, you have a majority of women in the legal mm -hmm. profession. But the senior position are held yeah. by men. So those are where the, um, the, the higher pay, uh, pay will exist. Mm -hmm. So now let's imagine our little couple there, they're starting a family. And of course, the mom, the, the woman takes off maternity leave. Very often, it's like a year or two years, because it takes a while before you're getting some kind of subsidy, where you're having a few hours, or in this case, in New Zealand, 20 hours of paid um, early childhood care. Um, if there's even a second or a third child coming, it can be a cap not even of one or two years, but easily already four, five and more years. At that point, how will the difference in salaries compare and how will that look like in the terms of family dynamics already? So can I 
unpack a little bit all of that because in New Zealand you don't have maternity leave that doesn't exist what we have in New Zealand is leave for care so um, it is not the woman who gives birth that is entitled to uh, the maternity leave the leave but it is the person that will look after the child so it's Mm -hmm. the carer that will uh, receive Mm -hmm. the the paid leave Um, the paid leave which is called parental leave um is uh is uh is not paid at the equivalent of the salary of the uh, of the worker that takes the time to look after a child it is not paid at the minimum wage level it is paid under the minimum wage so there is a oh. clear distinguishing uh, feature in new zealand whereby People who are doing production are uh, valued and um, paid, um, at least at the minimum wage level, whereas people who care, they are not valued and they are not paid at the level of, uh, of, of, of the production. So reproduction is less valued than production. And that has led me to say that it's more valued in New Zealand to raise pigs and to raise children. Um, and it's true. But anyway, so so, so it's, it's gender neutral in New Zealand. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a care for leave. Um, oh, sorry, leave for care. But the problem is that it's mostly women who will take that leave. Exactly. And why is that the reason? The first reason is that, well, there is a gender pay gap. And so in a couple, let's say a heterosexual couple, um, the person that will take the leave will all, always be the one that earns the less money because it exactly. makes economic sense. But also there are some gender bias around, you know, like this idea of women looking after children. And and it's not maybe like a a thing to do in New Zealand for men and masculinity and the ways it's it's looked around to for them to take Mm -hmm. time off. Um, But but there is definitely an economic uh, structure around the leave and who can take the leave. So not only um, not only uh, during the period of parental leave, that period that is six months of paid, but as I said, at a level that is lower than the the minimum wage, wage. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but but also uh, but also uh, who who can take the leave uh, when you're looking at the longer term. So there is this uh, there is a tax system which um, helps family that are um, uh, in uh, that that are not necessarily uh, uh, very wealthy, and um, this tax system provides for credits, mm-hmm. and those credits are given to family. Yeah, I mean there is a certain level, but those uh, value, those those uh, those credits are given to families that um, it it sorry it facilitates the sort of family organization where you have one salary and one carer, or mm-hmm. maybe one salary and then one and a half you know like and, yes. and a half uh, uh, so it's it it job so it's kind of like facilitates this one person stays at home to look after the child. Yes. Yes. Okay. So basically what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing now is that the inequality starts from birth almost and that it only just becomes bigger as we grow older. And even though I mean, we speak on the local situation in New Zealand, it is or the system which actually is encouraging this one one model of one earning, one breadwinner, whereas the other one who stays home actually pays a very high price for it because you're going even underneath the, the minimum wage. And then you're actually right when you say it's, it's probably, you know, better to, let's say, yeah, 
Yeah, and in have... New Zealand, this the 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 you're not automatically going to receive paid mat or paid leave. Um, it's it's only if you've been working before. So your question then leads on to what happens if they have a second child and the uh, the, the 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 mother or one of yeah. the parents have taken some leave for two years leave, let's say. Um, so the, the leave one, the leave one. might only be paid for only six months, but then the the rest, the, the year and a half after that, is unpaid. But if that person that parent has not been contributed has not returned to the um, to the uh, workforce mm -hmm. then they will not be entitled to the second pay, uh, pay leave. leave for the second so they'll be entitled the to the leave but not the paid leave oh my gosh coming back to what you just mentioned about the leave which is not maternal leave but like a care leave for the one who takes care which turns out to be only for the first child only Because once you run out of time and credits, it won't be applying for the second one. So you're like on an unpaid leave system. It means that basically the inequality becomes huge and massive. Could you elaborate a bit about that? What happens then by the time, let's say, as a woman, because very often you have not one, but maybe two or even three children. What will it look like then in the terms of the couple dynamics for the woman and for the husband? Um, so I'm not quite sure what happened in the couple dynamic, but the the the, the structure are made mm -hmm. then for the women to end up doing a, a whole lot of uh, work, which I call care work, but yeah. you know all this domestic work, unpaid work, um, and um, and the, and this is this is also kind of forced by the structure, the fact that uh, in New Zealand um, um, childcare is very expensive, extremely expensive. Uh, yes. It's extremely expensive, and it's it's not um, available um, and on on quality level or, you know, on an affordability level that um, exists maybe in Europe. Uh, and so that means that a lot of women will be um, forced to stay home. So although in New Zealand we have a high level of Employment, female employment. Um, mm. What we see is that during the um, the year when women have children, there is a really low employment rate. But also, once their children reach the age where they have some free mm -hmm. um, childcare, so this is a, from the age of two, two I think, yes. yeah, they get about 20 hours. Then we see a high take up of part time work. Yeah. Um, so it's it's, it's so, so clearly there is a demand for childcare, but um, but it's uh, but it's only taken up one. It's, it becomes free and it becomes free uh, on a part-time basis. So women then enter quite massively into, re-enter quite massively into the uh, workforce on a part-time basis. So this is also interesting in terms of um, how flexible time is being used because flexible time is not being used um, in, in a way that is uh, gender neutral. So mm -hmm. a lot of women will use flexible time in order to be able to work and at the same time meet their domestic uh, commitments. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, whereas men will use flexible time in a way to increase their work, uh, in, a, in a way to, to meet more work and therefore be less, um, less uh, able to meet their um, um, work commitment. So once in a family, and this is not just uh, for New Zealand, but once in a family you have, so let's say if you have a couple, a man and a woman, once one of the parents, once they have children, the woman usually work, ends up working less in paid employment and the man ends up working more in paid employment. So they 
this is not just that the fact that women are losing some ground in terms of salaries or in terms mm -hmm. of income, but that also like men are being rewarded for working more. And so the, the, the separation between the, the, the gap between uh, the, the payment that women will receive and that that men will receive mm -hmm. increase quite, uh, quite, uh, quite a lot uh, after they have children. What I find interesting what you just mentioned is that yes, uh, women will see their financial situation really drastically go down and they will have they, they go for part-time jobs. One thing maybe to that I would like to to ask you as well is when they go back to the workforce and mostly on part-time basis, will it be jobs at the same level as they had before or will it also turn out to be mostly more inferior because of just being part-time and not having the same kind of responsibilities? Is that also one of the elements? So that's also interesting in terms of part-time. So there is this um, on there is this uh, bias generally that people that work part-time are not entitled to the same pay uh, or you know proportionally the same mm. pay uh, than people who are working full-time because employers generally feel that maybe um, they're less committed to the workforce. Mm -hmm. The reality is that part-timers quite often do way more than what they're supposed to do and they exactly. come to work, they work their full hours and they, um, they provide more. And there is... I'm, I'm a lawyer, so this is this is not really my area, but there is quite a lot of research that shows that with part-time work, there is a huge amount of guilt, mm -hmm. um, guilt for the work. So the person that is part-time is working really hard to make sure mm -hmm. that um, they're not being seen as slacking, but also working really hard at home because um, they're, they're they feel that they're not doing the best they could be doing. So there is this 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 kind of like um, uh, distinction between uh, how we perceive part time as something that is just complementary and you know a luxury earning almost pocket yeah. money. Yeah, earning pocket money and the reality, which means that which which is in fact that a lot of people that work part time and a lot of women that work part time are in fact very committed to their work. They will be doing the best and they will often quite uh, mm -hmm. provide more than what they're being paid for. Another interesting element you're bringing up is that actually for women, there is this kind of, well, the financial issue which comes up and where you feel that they're lacking, you know, lacking compared to men. But you're mentioning also uh, men taking up more work, going up professionally, I would say, you know, gaining senior status. But also I would say what I'm hearing is a kind of pressure as well. And thinking of the article I just mentioned in my introduction, it seems to be still the fact that men are then being seen as you're the breadwinner. Is it not also putting, I would say, unreasonable pressure on the man and, and the father in a household as well? Because he becomes one, first, the sole in, uh, breadwinner. So the risk of losing your job is can be very, very, you know, scary because you're the only income. What happens if, you know, my husband or I lose my job because my wife is not having work or just a part-time? And then the other thing I'm also wondering, which is maybe more of a luxury, but still what happens with as a man if you want, let's say you're not happy in your own job, you would like to change, you would like maybe to retrain, but because you're the sole earner and breadwinner, these options are like totally gone for you as well. So in a way it feels as well that even men are paying the price differently, but it seems to me that it's not just a woman's thing. The breadwinner as well 
is seems to be affected by that. The pressure of not losing his job, the pressure of, well, even if I don't really like it, it's a toxic working environment. I have to stay on because if I go, what happens to my family? What happens to my partner? What happens to my children? So it seems that there is, it's not only the caretaker or the parent who seems the one who stays at home and takes that domestic part on his shoulders or her shoulders seems to be also the breadwinner who seems to be paying a high price for that. Yes, it's the perversity of that system, which, you know, I call, well, we call um, us feminista, the patriarchy, uh, <laughs> where, um, you know, this is not good for, not just for women, because women um, do not access, they, they do not get access to um, uh, the, the economic emancipation that mm -hmm. they want or that they feel they want. Um, but also it's, 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 keeps men into this um this uh this this path um and and as i said about um flexibility what we can see is that through the use of flexibility men use uh flexibility in a way that uh, reinforced that their work commitment and therefore uh decreased their work life balance mm -hmm. um and and so that together it shows that actually men end up in in a in a situation where their well-being is being challenged and not they're not they're not um, they might be earning maybe more money but not all of them are earning more money anyway but they might also be like stuck in jobs that are not you know suitable or you know they might they might end up being stuck and this contributes to a uh, worsening of the well-being of men as well as women mm -hmm. well what you were saying about this flexi time and uh, are you referring specifically now especially now with the pandemic we've had where most people have been working from home that whereas for women maybe it was kind of like with unconscious and conscious bias taken on and accepted that they will be taking more care of the homeschooling task, that for men it becomes almost like a 24-7 availability? Yeah, so so in so during the COVID time, what we see is, and, and this is not also just in New mm -hmm. Zealand, but what we see is that a lot of the people who have had, during lockdown, let's say, a lot of people who have had to go to work, those um, key workers, those essential workers, they are mostly women anyway. So those Those women, these categories of women, whether they are nurses, carers, um, um, supermarket workers, all of these workers, um, they have been facing this really um, difficulty of finding work balance, you know, where, you know, how do they care for their family when they have to go to work okay, and yes. it's mandated. So there is this. And then there are the other uh, sort of women who have maybe the professional women who have had, who have been able to stay at home and they're, they, and, and they, and at the same time, they care for their family. So mm -hmm. this, um, Uh, habit of looking after the family has continued within the home. And so what you see is that it's not just a question of time. So women have been doing their work, you know, like outside hours mm. once the children are in bed, you know, once everyone is in bed. But it's also in a, a question of structuring even the the, the geography of the, the house. So um, countless women have been working in the bathroom because the, the, the living room has been taken by the children. The exactly. office where there is an office or the bedroom You know, the place where the office is has been taken by the, the husband. husband. And then women have no space, no no space Geography. in terms of time, but also no space Physically. in terms of physical space yeah. to work uh, in the house. And so a lot of them have been working in toilets or bathroom. And um, there are lots of pictures of that. It's quite interesting. <laughs> I'm afraid we're running out of time, unfortunately. So I was wondering, in an ideal situation, how would fairness look like? How would it be better balanced according to you from a legal point of view to 
make that work balance work better. And also I would say that inequality and injustice, if I may say so, for the carer, for the parent, the one who takes up most of that responsibility, how would that look like? How could we do better as a society? This is a big question. So there are, there are a lot of possible answers. There are people like uh, Jennifer Nedelsky who thinks that we should have we should have a, we should force everyone to work in paid employment part time, and we f- should force everyone to do care work. So when people have family, they should look after mm-hmm. their family. If they don't have a family, we could give them like some care work outside. <laughs> so, so this is this is one way. There are other ways, you know, like we, the way we've been developing this um, society has been really isolated. And so um, through maybe like having family or links or um, I always think about, uh, I always think that I would have wanted to work in a kibbutz, you know, like where, you know, I'd look after the children one day a week and then the rest of the There's week. There's a village I could just, to take yeah, care yeah, of the yeah, family. Exactly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there are ways of looking at that. And in fact, the Maori uh, population has mm-hmm. um, some good um, uh, lessons to teach us about how we could look after family. Exactly, where it looks like the grandparents seem, this is more an intergenerational thing. Yeah, and, and, you know, ankles and, you know, like there is a the lot more people looking present. after children. But I also think from a legal point of view, so I, I, I think there are two um two parts to this. One part is that it's a question of talking about those issues and not being afraid of it and raising awareness around those issues. Mm-hmm. So this is not a legal, um, you know, this is not a legal uh, part. But but the legal part, I think, is we need to uh, think about valuing care. So yes. how do we value care? How do we make it valued? It's it's an economic issue, you know, like the, the way we account for things is, um, is only uh, the production that is accounted for. So when you think about all the things that goes into the um, into into the economy, all the things that are accounted for in terms of, let's say, feeding a baby, so the bottles and the milk that you have on the shelf, all of that mm-hmm. is accounted for, except the milk of the mother and the time the mother is giving exactly. in feeding that it's child. Not... And that time, that time could be valued. In New Zealand, the right to request flexi- the right to request um, breastfeeding uh, break right. in yeah. work is not something that is. It's just the right to request that mm-hmm. leave, but it's also not paid leave. So is, yes. you know, and then you see it. You know, so if you if you feed your child with you know like some powdered milk that has been um, you know done through uh, through the system, then um, you can you can account for it. But if you breastfeeding, you breastfeed, Feed, that time is not accounted for. On those words, unfortunately, I will have to finish. And I would like to say thank you, Anik, for bringing up all the topics we have. As you can, dear listeners, as you have noticed, inequality is not only affecting the one who cares, mostly women, unfortunately, still, but also dads. Um, I hope that this will just open up further discussions. And thank you very much, Anik, for joining us today. This is Tanya for Feel Better. We'll finish this podcast on a classic song. It's Raining Men by Weather Girls. Girl. Uh-uh. And have we got 